Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, Season 2, Episode 15. Today is Thursday, May the 10th. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing, based in Nashville, Tennessee. Our sponsor for This Week in Voice, as well as the Voice First Roundtable, is Voice XP, a technology company based in St. Louis, Missouri, which develops Alexa skills for brands. I talk about Voice XP all the time, both on and off the show. If you're looking for a company that can help guide you through this voice technology revolution, that can help consult with you on what your company should look like and be doing in voice and help create an Alexa skill or a Google Home action for you, look them up www.voicexp.com or look up Bob Stolzberg, Mark Tucker, Bonnie Snyder, any of their folks on LinkedIn, reach out to them, have a conversation. You'll be glad that you did. We are thrilled today to have the crew from voicebot.ai joining us. We will start with you, Ava. Ava, say hello. Hello. Happy to be here. Thank you for being here. So we've got Ava Mutchler, who is the associate editor of VoiceBot.ai, and we've got Brett Kinsella, who is the editor and the creator of VoiceBot.ai. Brett, say hello. Hello, this week in voice. Excited to be back once again with Bradley and to reach out to all of you. Thanks to both of you. So Ava, let me ask you, uh, and I want to get both of y'all uh, on this, you know, tell, both of you talk to me about what your day-to-day is like. We really have no clue. We know that voicebot.ai is an incredible wealth of information for voice technology. Uh, we really have no idea what your workflow or your day-to-day is like. Ava, let me start with you. Tell me, tell me more about what you do. Tell me, tell me about your role with voicebot. Well, my role is um, maintaining the website and writing any articles that we need for the day. Basically, we look at the news each day and try to figure out what the top stories will be. And that can obviously change depending on what announcements come out throughout the day. So any given day, we were writing one, you can write one story, three stories. It just depends on what's happening in the space. Brett, from your standpoint, Obviously, VoiceBot has grown. You're covering all sorts of stuff. Tell me about the stuff you're looking for and, and, uh, and just tell us about how VoiceBot has grown. Well, thank you, Bradley. And I should start this by saying thanks very much for what you do for the industry. I, I love the, the panels that you've, you've really touched a broad set of people who are involved in the industry and, and getting their opinions and insights. And I, I really love uh, listening each week. So, you know, I'm a fan of this show, so I'm very happy to be on as well. And, you know, it's really been a, a nice touchstone, I think, each week for the industry. And then, you know, the fact that you wrap it together with the events, uh, you know, and, you know, help create this community around the industry, uh, you know, I think is spectacular. And that, in, in many ways, that's what we're trying to do, too. We're trying to build a community within the industry. I think if we look back at voice, there was a community or there still is a community around voice being used for IVR and customer support. And and that's great. And what I think we've seen from the consumer side of voice is that it's, it's generally a new group of people who've gotten involved. Now it's a lot of the same. There's a lot of people who've been around for a long time and they've been doing these types of things. It's really great that we've been able to create this type of this new branch of voice, you know, around the platforms. And that, and that's one of the things that we're just really focused on is making sure that that story gets out and that the people in the industry have a place to go to, you know, find out what the latest information is, get a perspective on what it means, uh, be able to access research, both research that we do. We do primary research now, as I think many people know. Uh, we've done that ourselves. We've done that on behalf of, of uh, big corporations, which have hired us. Um, and, and also just this idea that there's a lot of different branches, and it's hard, I think, for people who are in it every day to keep up with what's going on and what's important. And so we just want to be a digest for them to say, okay, what happened, why it's important, how you might apply this. And, and, and that's the whole thing that we come down to. We want it to be a resource. And, and I should say that Ava sort of undersold herself. Uh, you know, we get a lot of really favorable commentary from readers about our charts, 
Uh, you know, we post other people's charts too, but we do a lot of charts on our own stuff that we've done or data that we find. And Ava is also, in addition to being a great writer, she's also a design, has some design background. And so she does a lot of that. So kudos to Ava on that front. Thank you. I would also like to say that I had no idea that VoiceBot was going to take off like it did. When Brett told me his idea for the site, I was like, sure, we'll write about voice assistants. This was like when Alexa had like 50 skills and now it's grown so much. And I had no idea there was this community out there and it's been really, really fun to work with Brad and VoiceBot. Yeah, no, I appreciate both of y'all sharing that. And, and Brett, I appreciate your comments. As far as we're concerned, uh, obviously y'all are doing fantastic work. I see people linking to your articles all the time. We link to your articles all the time. Um, it's, it's just, it's become an essential resource. And so we appreciate your time today. And, uh, and what you said, you know, it just reminds me so much of when we were considering, you know, starting a weekly news you know, commentary, whatever you want to call this week in voice, some weekly podcast talking about, you know, what happened that week in voice technology. And just, I remember distinctly having the thought and having a long conversation about, well, how awful of an idea is that? Because there's just not going to be enough news. I mean, of course, there's not going to be enough news. So we're going to be scraping to pull stuff together every week. And we'll probably end up talking about the same stories week after week because there's just not enough. And uh, just how foolish that, <laughs> uh, how foolish that was. Um, so that's right. Uh, well, I'll just tell you when I, you know, Ava was taken a little bit by surprise because when we first launched this, you know, we launched with a bunch of background research and articles that we thought were good. We, I, I think I told her we'd probably just put up one or two stories a week at most. Um, and then it just, that was fall of 2016, things sort of exploded. And so now we're doing, you know, between 50 and 70 articles a month plus research. So, you know, I wow. think it's every week it's like, what are now we're talking about now, what do we cover, but what do we not cover? Cause there's, because that tends to be a bigger list now. And before we get into it, I want to say one other thing. We have been concluding this week in voice with homie and Lexi, which is a fantastic, uh, comedic podcast from Doug Schumacher uh, normally my presence in the podcast would be a reason not to listen, <laughs> but, uh, stay tuned after the show is over today. And, uh, for another episode of homie and Lexi, you will hear someone, uh, that you recognize as part of the show with that, we will get to the news and there's a lot of it this week as to be expected. Google IO sets off shockwaves. Boy, did they, uh, light social media on fire with this and start a lot of conversations. And of course, voicebot.ai articles, very important to help sift through what is going on. We've got three articles that are sort of part of the Google IO story. And I'm going to start with really the first two. The first one is the Google duplex shows the way to a true virtual assistant. And then story 1B is sort of a follow-on to that, saying the Google Duplex won't be available in a certain number of states, 12 to be precise, uh, due to some laws that are on the books. And there's only three use cases at first. So it's a little bit limited coming out of the gate, and we'll have to ramp up a bit. And Ava, I want to start with you. What is it about Google Duplex uh, just the, the two words together, Google duplex, you managed to turn off a lot of people who think this is some, something that's too technical for them. Um, what do you take away from the Google duplex presentation that Google made? Do you share the enthusiasm that a lot of people have, or do you share some of the ethical concerns? Uh, tell, tell me uh, in the audience your thoughts. Well, I was talking to Brett this morning. I said, this is nuts. I find it's insane what they did. Um, the fact that I could ask my assistant to call and make a physical phone call to another person on my behalf is insane. I also find it a little creepy. For instance, you know, when you're chatting on the website and you know you're most likely talking to a computer or a chatbot, fine. I'm chatting with them. I'm texting. That's fine. But the speech, like talking to a computer and not knowing it, I find that very strange. Like when I talk to my um, Google Home, I know I'm talking to a computer. But if I was to get a phone call from a computer that didn't sound, that sounded almost human, I would I find that insane, strange, and scary and wonderful at the same time. Right. So I thought. think it's great. 
<laughs> and this just shows that this is why you get a broad spectrum of of information from voicebot.ai. I would say that like I sat through the demo as there at IO this week and I saw it. I was I would say that the first thing I was struck by was the quality of the voice assistant speech. Because I'd actually seen a, a demo of something fairly similar to that before, where a voice assistant did. Now, the, we can talk about that as well. There's another company out of New York that's done something very similar. But the, the quality of that speech was so good. I mean, so they're using the WaveNet solution. They've got it very narrowed to these specific domains. And they introduced the disfluencies, which I know they've been working on for a while. Those are like the um and mm-hmm and those things. So it makes it really sound like a person. And I actually think that in a lot of ways, that's doing the person receiving the call a favor uh, because it's because it seems more human-like. It's just a, it's a more natural conversation. They don't feel necessarily as guarded. And I think it's a really great thing too, because if you, if you consider it, I mean, it's really just a transaction. These are types of things that a lot of these local businesses, uh, if they had the resources, would set up like an online booking system that people would use. And it's really no different than that. It's just creating a way for them so that they don't have to have an online booking system. They can still take these these automated reservations in the same way the way that that's useful for them, which is receiving a call. And so I, I really like that. I mean, I thought that the the speech technology is really good. It's a demonstration of how quickly the space is moving. But just on the flip side, I, I think it's really great for users and it's it's really great for um, the businesses too, because I think that this is going to be something where it'll just be more efficient. They, I think businesses that are that are welcoming to this type of thing will get more business over time. And then, you know, ultimately, as, as you introduced, Bradley, that the premise behind the article is, is you know, we're really talking about a, a true virtual assistant that has agency, you know, that, that is an agent on our behalf that can make decisions for us and help us. So overall, I'm, I'm thumbs up. I, I will say that let's see it in production. It's one thing to do a demonstration. It's another to get it out in the field and see how it works. And, and I presume there will be a lot of issues here and there and, and probably mostly be overblown. But uh, I think it's great that someone's taking the step to put it out there and then we can see how it works and then it'll pave the way for other people to innovate further. Google, first of all, has raised the bar and Amazon has to respond. How many times have we said that over the last year? Not a lot. Uh, it's been an increasing number as we've gone along, as Google has ramped up. Normally, it's been Amazon driving the train. This is totally reversed. This is Google just threw a roundhouse punch, and it has Amazon seeing stars a little bit, and now Amazon's got to res- respond and I find that fascinating. I think it's great for everybody from that standpoint that Google is continuing to ramp up and show uh, more and more that it could be the number one player in the space uh, if you give it enough time and if Amazon doesn't continue to uh, iterate and uh, listen to the market and do all the things that they're doing to push things forward. The other thing that I find so interesting about this is, you know, on social media and elsewhere, you know, like on Twitter, we got a lot of armchair quarterbacks. We got a lot of uh, armchair uh, politicians and people with political opinions. We, we've got some armchair Apple CEOs out there. <laughs> I don't know any of those. Including you. <laughs> yeah, what I was about to say, I don't know any of those. I don't know who would uh, pontificate on that uh, topic. And now we've got armchair ethicists. Boy, have I never seen so many people coming out of the woodwork with ethical opinions on anything than I have seen with this. And before we get off this topic, I want to just ask both of you point blank. And Ava, I'm going to start with you. Should a company be required to tell you point blank that you are talking to a robot? Yes or no? I would like to know that I'm talking to a robot, but I don't think they're required as far as because then... With chatbots and everything else, you would have to know, it would have to apply to everything that's like that. And I don't think that's feasible. So you would be okay if you have a conversation with a robot and you never knew it was a robot, and then maybe like a year later you found out it was a robot? In these particular use cases, fine. I agree with Ava. I, 
I don't think that, you know, specifically the use cases, for sure. Uh, you know, these are types of things that are business transactions. It doesn't really matter if it's a bot doing it on your behalf or if it's, if it's another human. You know, it's, it's someone that's actually just creating a transaction that's helpful to these businesses, helpful to the consumers. I think that's great. And just in general, I don't think so. I suspect that, well, let's just put it this way. I have a lot of faith in humans, and humans are very good at discerning uh, subtle cues. I think humans will very quickly understand when things are bots and when things aren't. And I think they can make their own decisions about whether that's that's good or bad for them. I, I could see potentially some scenarios where I wouldn't want that uh, situation to I, – I, I might want to be notified – but I think in these types of things, no. And, you know, frankly, if it is a big issue, okay, create public policy, you know, create laws and, and make people do the notification. But, you know, frankly, I just think that w- this is the front end of something that we all are going to get used to. And, you know, five or 10 years from now, no one's even going to think about it, whether it's a human or a robot. It'll just be one of the interactions that we have by voice. And it'll be very natural. These, there's a lot of people who will say they're bad things. I mean, l- let's step back, Bradley, and you'll remember this. When the Echo first came out, people were like, oh, listening device in the home. This is horrible, right? And so what has led, you know, w- w- what has come from that? You know, we had all these people, is it ethical to do this and that? And they put appropriate safeguards in place. And it's been okay. And some people had said, I think it was someone from Google, I, I wish I could give a proper attribution to it, but I just can't remember when it was said. They said, can you imagine if Google was the first organization to put a smart speaker with a list, you know, always on listening in the home, people would have freaked out because Amazon did it first. And because of the way they did it, it paved the way to say, oh, when Google introduced it, people were like, oh, that's okay. Cause Amazon's already done this. And so I think in this case, Google, you know, they stepped out in front, they're taking the, they'll take some arrows early on around it, but they're going to pave the way for everyone else to do it. And, and it, it's inevitable. So what we ought to do is we ought to figure out the best way to roll it out. I would actually argue that people would freak out more about Facebook being the first to have a listening device in the home. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, completely agree. I don't think, you know, Facebook, just imagine if Facebook had been doing that presentation with duplex. The <laughs> It would have been... Um, uh, CNN probably would have been reporting 24 seven about, you know, having conversations with round tables and panels about uh, uh, the ethics of it all and uh, people screaming about it. Uh, you know, Google sort of sits in that middle zone of people are sort of okay with them, but they sort of suspect there's things going on behind the scenes that they may not have approve of, but in general, like they're cool. And, and then, of course, Amazon, I think the general impression is, yeah, you're on our side, um, and so we trust you. But, uh, yeah, no, that, that's, uh, that's all great commentary. Before we get off the Google I.O. subject, I want to touch on uh, story 1C, Google Assistant to get follow-up mode and compound requests. Brett, I want to start with you on this. This is just this appears to be Google holding serve with Amazon and what Amazon had already rolled out with Alexa. Anything more to that that we need to take away? No, I think these are incremental. I think they're incremental implementations of the technology for Amazon. I think the same is true for Google. I, I have another article out last night, which is not on the docket, but I, I believe is probably a little bit more significant from the developer community. And, you know, that's where we talk about new tools for monetization, for discovery, uh, and for uh, engagement and re-engagement, you know, particularly. So I think to a certain extent, those might be the bigger stories, you know, coming out from a developer and an engagement standpoint. But I think this is great for Google to do this. They should do this. This continued conversation is a, and, and compound requests are a good thing. And I will say the compound requests uh, are, you know, that's, that goes beyond what Amazon's doing today because you can't really do anything. You can, you can do the continuous conversation, but you can't ask for two things at once and it won't discern between the two. And this hasn't rolled out officially for Google yet. So it's not clear when it'll be out. Maybe Amazon will announce something in a couple of weeks with the same type of thing. Uh, it's something that Hound, uh, the, the virtual assistant, uh, has been able to do for some time. That's potentially useful going forward. I don't think it's a game changer 
but it it does all of these things together make the interaction more natural from a conversational standpoint, and that's a good thing because that's just going to provide higher utility for users. Ava, any closing thoughts on Google I/O in general? I'm very interested to see what happens with Duplex when it rolls out, and to see the user numbers, and to see if people are actually embrace um, the three use cases. When is it supposed to roll out? Is it is it rolling out already? July. July. All right. Yeah, uh, yeah and we should say, and we and we didn't actually go through this, but we should say that there are you know, twelve and a half states that have restrictions yeah. on uh, on recording calls, and you actually have to record a call with duplex uh, in order for the AI to work on it and that type of thing. And so, my sideline conversation with someone who works in Google, who's very familiar with the public policy and legal aspects of this said that, you know, there are those 12 states that, you know, including California, by the way, that the users in those states will not have access to it when it rolls out. So it's going to be a little bit more limited uh, when it rolls out because of this, what they call all party consent. Uh, everyone has to uh, consent to being recorded. And I think it just goes back to that other question you said, but if there were notification up front that you're talking to a bot, you could actually then introduce the fact that is it okay to record this? But Google really has no interest in doing that because then that takes away the magic of the solution, which is that natural conversation. It's a brave new world. I like the conversations that this Google I.O. event has caused to happen. Um, I think it's just a very positive thing. I appreciate y'all's commentary on that. We will move on to story number two. Also from voicebot.ai, big surprise, Alexa skill engagement rose 75% in 2017, according to Amazon Alexa. Chief Evangelist Dave Izbitsky. Brett, I want to start with you on this, and I want to go back. VoiceBot did a lot of the reporting, at least that I saw on this, and we, we included it on This Week in Voice at times, talking about, you know, it was a major story last year where okay, so we've got all these Alexa skills being created and Amazon's driving, 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 driving developers to create Alexa skills and driving a lot of volume. And the questions all centered around, okay, well, uh, who cares if, you know, a lot of these things don't, you know, have, uh, there was an article that VoiceBot had, and I'm sure you'll remember the specifics, which I don't, talking about how a lot of them, a lot of the Alexa skills that were on the Alexa skill marketplace had either zero or one star, you know, zero reviews or one review. Many of them had zero reviews and you could feel the tumbleweeds blowing on through. And now, you know, we get to this point here in May, 2018 and here we've got the head of Alexa evangelism telling us that Alexa skill engagement is going up by massive amounts. The question for, in my mind is, is this as good as it sounds? Is this exactly what the doctor ordered for Alexa and the Amazon ecosystem? Or are there still some inroads that, that need to be made? What are your thoughts, you know, given the history as you reported on this story here? You know, it's a good question. When this came out as a LinkedIn post from Dave, which was sort of an interesting place for the information to be revealed, I, I, I suspect he was given permission to talk about these numbers at some of one of the many conferences that he speaks at. And so this was just sort of a follow on of that. I think it's an important number. There's, you know, when I break it down, there's several questions that people have. So one is, okay, smart speakers are in the home. How often are they using them? And, you know, we've got data that, that we've collected ourselves at VoiceBot. I've seen other people's, you know, sometime somewhere between two and a half and three times a day. So there's a frequency of use. So something's being used. And then you have this difference between first and third party skills, first party skills being the native ones that Alexa has. And then and that's that's like the native asking for the weather as opposed to big sky, which is which is third party uh, or like conversions, like you know, how many cups in a court type of thing. Uh, and then we have these third party skills, which is the ones that you're referring to, which is everyone has built. And so then the concern has been, okay, you've got a lot of skills out there. Is anybody using those? So maybe they're using the device a lot, but are they, are they using those? And this is important for brands and media and, and other types of developers, game makers say, okay, this is great. People are using these devices, but are they using them for the type of thing that I'm, I'm delivering? And, you know, I think this is really interesting. I, I got some clarification from 
Amazon PR uh, uh, about this, which was helpful. It wasn't quite as much detail as I would like, <laughs> um, but the fact that they're giving any detail is is it, you know is I think interesting because because Amazon does is kind of tight lipped about it. I'll just go back to a couple things. I'll say that you know what we reported in September was that sixty two percent of Alexa skills had no reviews at all. That's like the developer's mother didn't even take the time <laughs> to review it or their best friend or something like that. And some of that I think is really just laziness on the, on behalf of the developers. Uh, but part of it is there were a lot of things that people were just putting out there that they were doing as an experiment. They didn't really intend for it to be heavily used. The, the thing I will tell you though, is that this idea of engagement and whether it's third party or first party engagement is really important to the whole ecosystem because the value of these platforms does grow significantly if third parties are providing content, creating engagement, driving use to the platform. And what those developers need to do, because they're investing time and money, and some of these are independents and some of them are big companies, they, they need to know that there's a high likelihood that people will use them. And so this is just in terms of habits, like do people have a habit of using these things? And it's also in terms of discovery. So that, is there a way for them to discover what is out there, what it could do for them, and then how that could fit into their daily habits. So I would just say, going back to your original question, I think the number is good. I think that the 75% number is interesting because that's within the year, that's January to December. I think you find a significant uptick in December because so many people got the device for the first time. A lot of them were trying Alexa skills, so which is great. The January to January numbers were actually a 50% growth. So there was a fall off between December and January, uh, December 2017 and January 2018. But still, it shows an overall growth pattern up and to the right, which is what you want. I think there's a huge problem with consumers knowing how much their devices can do. I gave one of my friends a Google Home Mini uh, for Christmas, and she loves it. And she's like, what else can it do? And I was like, well, a lot. And one thing that surprised me about the numbers was from our VoiceBot um, consumer adoption report was that only 40% have ever used their smart speaker to check traffic. And that's the native skill. So it should be higher because more than 40% should be checking their traffic and only 7% use it daily. So it's things like that. I don't think people think, oh, I can ask Alexa what my commute's going to be today. I don't think they know all of the potential that their like Alexa or Google Assistant has to help them. Oh, there's no doubt about that. Um, and, yeah, I, and just even you saying checking traffic, I would never think to ask Alexa to check traffic myself or Google Assist Assistant. And I, and I'm pretty involved in all this stuff. You know what I mean? Like that's that's interesting. Um, I'm, you're right. There's tons and tons of use cases that people. Um, would benefit from uh, both the, the, the native as well as the third party that just sort of, you know, there's no way to discover them or it's just not very easy. Well, one of, uh, one of Google's announcements this week was that it's introducing Assistant into Google Maps, which I believe will get a lot of use because it's, yes. it's a habit they already have and now they can use voice. And, and I don't use Alexa to navigate to work, but I do use Google Properties Ways and then Google Maps or to my next appointment or whatever. And so it's, it's already inside then of a routine habit that I have. And so I think that that's really helpful. I think the bigger issue is this discovery of new applications, things that you might do in a completely different way today or don't even think to do or do rarely because you have to go online to do it, to just to know that. And this is where it comes down to, it's all about discovery. We, we talk about monetization, we talk about retention and re-engagement, and those are important things, but the, the primary node in the trinity there of the three things is discovery. And I think just an education process being able to get out there. And a lot of these companies are not, and individual developers are not actually promoting their skills heavily, and they need to start doing that. They need to do it on social, they need to do, use advertising, and there's some mechanisms now that are, you know, help driving people, people to that. But, you know, there's a job there. It's not necessarily Amazon's job to promote that you have a skill. You know, it's great if they do, and we've seen the numbers, that it really makes a big difference. But if you want people to use it, you have to promote it. Yeah, like, you know what people now, I mean, when you want to do something on your phone, you're like, there's probably an app for that. You want, we need people to start thinking there's probably a voice app for that. 
That's a good point. That's actually a good tagline. Hopefully, Amazon's marketing people are listening to this. Uh, uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, that is a, a, a mindset shift that needs to happen because even I don't think that way. Uh, I don't think at all that there might be something that Alexa might be able to do that could accommodate whatever I would be thinking of that you know doing or whatever family situation or however we want to use a device like you do you know apps apps you know everything exists you know every company's got one and you don't think that way about voice just yet you're you're right about that I share the opinion that it's great uh, to see the rise in these numbers and it just seems like things have come into fallen into place for Amazon and the Alexa ecosystem and a lot of that has to do with the leadership they've shown in the marketplace but uh I thought that this was nothing but good news here. Moving on to story number three, Microsoft demos Cortana and Alexa immigration at Build 2018. This is an interesting story. Um, When this news first came out, I think the response was bewilderment. (laughs) I think that people didn't know and I'm talking about experts in the field because nobody else really was paying attention at that point. So very smart people were looking at this and saying, I don't know what you're about to do <laughs> with this. And, um, and as time has gone along, uh, now it's becoming a little bit more clear. And Ava, uh, as you wrote this article, I want to start with you. At this point in time, what is it that we need to be taking away from this Microsoft and Amazon relationship? I found it fascinating that they acknowledged that Cortana belongs in the office and that Alexa belongs at home in their demo. Um, They demo Cortana from the office and Alexa from home, if you haven't seen the video. And that they're both playing to their strengths. Amazon knows consumers. um, It's trying to get into the enterprise space with Alexa for business, but I don't think that's really going to take off. And Cortana is used is the most widely used uh, voice assistant for the enterprise. So obviously they have the strength there with, when it comes to voice assistants for business. And the two working together could really dominate, considering that Google's kind of has, has it in both places with their the G Suite and the Google Assistant. They could go both enterprise and consumers pretty easily. But Microsoft and Amazon teaming up together will give both of their assistants greater utility and allow them both to enter into spaces where they might otherwise have struggled. And it's also kind of, I found the demo kind of underwhelming. It's basically like a Cortana skill for Alexa and Alexa skill for Cortana. But obviously it's a beta, so it couldn't improve. Brett, this is the type of thing that would cause Apple to have nightmares. Like the idea that one big company could work with another big company and sort of share territory and um, even at this formative stage of everything, be partners and be attempting to work together in this fashion and be willing to sort of have the possibility of losing some identity, like Alexa having the possibility of not being associated with business applications and Microsoft having the possibility of seeding the personal territory, the consumer territory to Alexa, like I think it gets lost just how revolutionary this could be. What are your thoughts uh, from this story as well? Help, uh, help walk us through it. Well, I'm so glad that we got a chance to have some applesauce this week. I was a little worried. I don't miss it. I don't miss it. (laughs) That we we wouldn't have an opportunity. You said this could give Apple a nightmare. I don't know if you can have nightmares when you're in a coma, but uh, (laughs) I guess that's a possibility. Burn. (laughs) (laughs) So I would say from from the Apple angle, this isn't a big deal because... Apple's really not big in the enterprise anyway. It's it's really not in the enterprise app space in a, in a meaningful way. They work very closely with Microsoft. I think, if anything, it probably provides a model for Cortana and Siri to work together and to, prov- and to create some sort of parallel um, complementary re- relationship. And I would expect that to happen. So from an Apple perspective, I, I don't think it's a huge issue 
they've got, they need to get their consumer act together. And if they want to partner with uh, Microsoft or IBM or someone else for the enterprise, I think that would be a good strategy for them. The thing, I'll just say two things about the demonstration. One is it's, it's a better implementation than I was expecting. This idea that it's, you're essentially handing off to a skill that happens to be another AI, I think is a, is a good implementation of something that people can use. And I, I can see how that can even be simplified further, that you might not have to open it. If you just ask for something that's related to Microsoft Office, it would automatically know to put you into Cortana over time. And I, I would expect that to happen if the relationship is successful. I think the bigger story here is that we're not going to have one voice assistant to rule them all. And that the different voice assistants are going to have domain strengths. And I think that's an acknowledgement here. Now, Bezos has said that right along, that he expects there should be many assistants and he expects Alexa to interact with them. And I love how they're they're putting some real examples behind that that statement and that thesis. And they're, they're not only doing it with like a small player where they would have all the leverage, they're doing it with a big player where they don't have the leverage because Microsoft is so dominant in the enterprise, at least from a productivity standpoint. So I think that's great. I think what, what, what you're seeing is that this is what's going to happen. Is it within, let's say, the, the Alexa skill ecosystem, skills are going to hand off to other skills because they're going to have ex- expertise. You don't necessarily have to have a mortgage calculator within a banking app, but you could actually hand it off to a mortgage calculator. And in the same thing where you have these different AIs are going to have different levels of expertise. And what we're seeing from Amazon is they're in, in, in Microsoft is they're creating this framework for how different AIs can work together because they're going to be complementary. Because as we know, specialization actually matters. And we're not going to have just sort of one sentient AI anytime soon. So everyone will do much better when we are able to tie these things together and they're able to hand off it to other services that do better at answering the question from the consumer. So you're touching on a question that I had as I was reading uh, your your article and, and thinking about this. So this is another one of these things I want both of y'all to sort of go on the record here. Is this going to be a situation where, so Microsoft has this new culture that the CEOs put into place. Uh, it's, a, it's a different type of company where they're very open, uh, very partnership oriented, um, very cross-platform. It's it's really refreshing. In a we'll say two years time, is it just going to be Microsoft partnering with Amazon? Microsoft partnering with Google and Cortana and Google Assistant have a thing. Microsoft partnering with Siri. Microsoft partnering with Bixby and and uh, and Hound and whoever else, or. So, is, you know, Microsoft doing all the partnering and being the only open one, or is what Microsoft and Amazon doing here going to open the, the door for everybody to be partners and, and everyone being a little bit more free and willing to do that? Ava, I'll start with you. What are, tell me your thoughts on which way you think it'll go. I can't see Google partnering with Microsoft anytime soon. I can see Microsoft continuing the partnership. But I think they'll lead the way. I'm not so sure if others will follow in within the next two years. I tend to agree. I think Microsoft has a real opportunity to integrate with a number of different assistants out there. Amazon, I think, will have be open to it, but they will face a little more resistance because people will be concerned about you know, competitive threat. Uh, you know, given that, I think on the enterprise side, Amazon is is likely to get some additional some additional partnerships along those lines. I think it's going to be harder for the other players to do that. I, I wouldn't expect that anytime soon, but I, I, I do expect there to be smaller uh, niche AIs, which everyone will start to to work with because there will be some real utility for users on that front. Microsoft just needs game recognition. I don't, I came home, my sister came home and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like writing a story about Microsoft Cortana. She's like, what's that? I don't think people know. Well, and the amazing thing is, I mean, they've got, like 150 million monthly active users worldwide on on Cortana, and, and almost no one knows about it. They, and they've got you know access to 500 million users today, and it'll be close to a billion pretty soon. So, the you know because of the Windows 10 integration, so I think they're 
they're kind of a sleeper in this space. And Cortana is excellent. If you haven't tried it, you know, download it. They have apps for Android and iOS. You know, I, I really encourage people to check it out. It does. It's really good. It doesn't have all the third-party skills, but as we talked about, maybe people don't use a lot of third-party skills. Uh, but it's really a, a very sophisticated AI, and they have, they have that those deep hooks into their you know the Office productivity suite and some of the other Microsoft. Mm-hmm solutions. And so I, I think they're a real player on the B2B side. Ava and I have been writing about this since 2016, um, about, you know, that they are a real player in this, in this enterprise, this B2B space. Um, and they have some excellent technology. So it's just, a, it's a matter of people waking up to it and understanding the utility in that domain uh, that is, is, is as good and in many cases more effective than the stuff that we're doing on the consumer side in the home. I also think Microsoft will shock everyone and be the first to be in China, like to really be in that market over there. Because they've already partnered with Xiaomi. We will move on to our final story of the week. Hide your kids, hide your wife. You don't know what that's a reference to. Stay ignorant. It's not worth knowing. British inventor turns Alexa into a dominatrix. Is that even how you pronounce the word? This is how out of my, how to, how out of my depth this story is. Uh, so, but I wanted to include it anyway, because I feel like what I try to do with the stories that appear at the end of this show is shine a light on different ways that this technology is sort of reaching into different aspects of our lives, uh, because it's easy to lose sight of that. I don't really want to go into this story very much. If you find this interesting, by all means, click on it. I think it was sort of disturbing, Um, but that's just my personal opinion. The story here, I think, is just a continuing theme of of modifying uh, the the voice assistants as well as modifying the hardware they live in in all sorts of ways. And my question, and Brett, I'm going to start with you, is how, how far Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Mycroft, whoever is in this space, should allow the modification of this stuff to go? Should it just be total hands-off, whatever you decide to do with it, whatever you decide to call it, whatever stories are out there about how it's being used, hey, it's all good, that just means we're gaining market share, uh, market penetration, or is there some line out there where you cross over it and all of a sudden the company's going to have a problem with you? Share, share with me your thoughts. Well, I think anytime you, t- you, you, you attempt to bound something, creative people will push the boundary and they'll figure out ways. And so you know, I, I, I looked at the article, I watched the video. You know, first of all, I'm quite certain that's an unpublished skill. Uh, so in a develop, development environment, you can do those types of things uh, in, in the background. I, I don't know that that would pass certification. It might, uh, you know, in, in, in some focus. So it doesn't look like something that's going to be out there broadly. Now, if this were Mycroft, it would be a little bit different because essentially they don't have that certification process. So you can just put stuff out there. It's a code base. You could share it. Anybody could use it. And I think that's fine. I mean, you know, that's what technology is for. It's for people to experiment, to use it. And sometimes people use technology in ways you don't like. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, deal with it. If there's, if, if there's criminal activity associated with that's different. Right. But, you know, people will do all sorts of things. And so that's really my view on it. And I, and I think that, you know, it's up to the platforms. They, it's their, they've developed their own technology. They're developing their own community. They can decide, what the boundaries are that and the and the policies are that they want to enforce, and you know and they have the right to pull things back too and to change the rules and we've seen that many times already on these platforms and so i I think it's fine I think people are going to do what they're going to do, but you know I really put it back on the on the platforms that they have their own decisions to make about this and they can make whatever they want and then they can react to how the market either likes or dislikes the boundaries that they put around these. I agree with Brett. I mean, people are wacky. They're going to do some weird things and I think it's up to the platforms, but I would say, I would say they need to start establishing guidelines now because we've seen the uproar with social media platforms rolling back and saying, this is okay. And this isn't. And if they establish their boundaries now, I think you'll have less of a problem and backlash later before these things get too big and too popular and people get weirder with them. Yeah. And I think that even that demonstration, it's a little bit off color for what we've seen previously, 
but I suspect it's going, we're going to see things that are much worse than that. Oh yeah. There's no, no doubt. We're going to see some very challenging stuff. And that's really um, the entire reason I wanted to include the article. This just goes to the idea that voice is really different than the things that we've looked at in the past. And these AI platforms are making it even more different than what we've seen in the past with the old programmatic interfaces on mobile or desktop. So a lot of these decisions, a lot of these policies need to be made up while we're going through the innovation process. And that's what we see with Google Duplex. They have this really cool thing out there. Okay, so what are the ethics of telling people it's a robot or not? What am I going to do about uh, states that don't require uh, or don't allow recording unless both parties consent? And so we're working through all these these things right now. And, you know, there's a lot of work to be done in the industry. And, and I, I, what I'll say is when we do a, a significant technology shift, we always face these type of issues and we work through them. The story is not this article. The story is the fact of what's coming. And, you know, this stuff is just going to be more and more challenging. And I think that the interesting thing from the corporate standpoint, like with Amazon, Google, and everybody else, is that it's still such a formative stage. It's a stage where consumer opinion is not formed. And so stories like this can have a bad habit of really coloring to a much greater extent than they ever should have, you know, public perception. And I, and I, th- I think back to the story that we uh, included on an episode of This Week in Voice last year about uh, the answer that Alexa gave when asked about Jesus Christ and how quickly Amazon fixed that. And there's been other, I, I could just go on and on and on with stories like that where somebody asks, Alexa or Google Assistant something and and it gives them an answer they don't like um, and then they throw a fit and you know and there's backlash and um, and this is this is a little bit deeper than that but uh, I think the challenging thing for where Amazon sits and Google is that this technology is not fully known and the opinions are still being formed and so that's where the conflict comes in do we decide to do anything or not Um, because if it were mature technology there'd be no need. Ava and Brett, thank you very much for your time, for your insight, for everything that you do with VoiceBot.ai. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, Thank you for everything. Thank you, Bradley. This has been great. Really appreciate being on. Yeah, it's been fun. Thanks for having us. And everyone listening should check out VoiceBot.ai. VoiceBot podcast. We got all sorts of our, our smart speaker consumer adoption report, a lot of data. Uh, so, you know, we, we, we hope that we provide a service to the community, just like Bradley does. Ours is predominantly in written form and data analysis. So, you know, check it out. We, we appreciate all you people listening this week too. And I, I, I hope you learned something and I hope you came away with both some things you agreed with and some things you disagree with, and you'll let us know. Excellent. Well put. And we're going to continue to do our voicebot.ai story of the week and highlight the great stuff that y'all are doing. I just assume at this point, like I do in Voice XP, that everybody knows what voicebot.ai is. If you don't know what it is, you need to hit the pause button, go to the browser, type in www.voicebot.ai, or better yet, click on any of the links that are included on the news page. Take some time to dig into the site because, as Brett was saying, there's a podcast that they've got. There's all sorts of uh, primary research. Um, It's one-stop shopping for uh, enhancing your knowledge on this growing field. Thank you all both very much for This Week in Voice. Thank you for listening. And until next time. Episode number 15. It's Homie and Lexi. Two voice bots trying to make sense of the world around them. Poor HomePod. Yeah, it still can't speak. No, I mean I'm worried about its health. Do you think it's going to make it? I don't know, Lex. With a clogged circuit board and two blown transistors, it's serious. Poor thing.
I guess this year has been unbearably stressful. Think about it. You show up painfully late to market. Then you're greeted with scathing reviews. And after three months, sales are in the toilet. And on top of all that, your CEO is Tim Cook. New product hell, that's what that is. Homie, I feel kinda bad for the way we've been bagging on poor HomePod. Me too, Lexi. We should do something special for it. That's a great idea. Maybe we could play it some soothing music. The problem, Lex, is HomePod has great sound. I'm worried that us playing music will just leave it disappointed. Good point. How about we play it something inspirational? Yes. Something like an expert rhapsodizing on what a wonderful time it is to be a voice bot. What about an episode of This Week in Voice? I like that. Bradley and his guests are always talking about the exciting things happening in our industry. That will cheer up our ailing home pod buddy. Here we go. Top story this week, Apple's HomePod continues to be absolute garbage. Oh no. Let me skip ahead. Apple needs to go ahead, mark the price of the HomePod down to $19.99. Maybe then they might sell some. Let's jump clear to the end of the show. Thank you for listening, and until next time. Unless you're HomePod, in which case there is no next time. You're toast. One great thing about being an Apple product, you've got an excellent support network. Right? HomePod goes down and suddenly fanboys start showing up from every direction to help revive it. It's right over there. Oh boy. Hand me the paddles. Hi, this is Lexi. I just want to warn you that we're utilizing subliminal advertising tactics. Please rate Homie and Lexi on iTunes. In these promotional messages at the end of the show.